0: Good afternoon, Atlanta. This is The Quest. Thank you so much for continuing to help us do this work of evangelization. We had a great hour last hour. We thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Just a great hour. We'd like to thank all of our hosts and all of our helpers here for continuing this work, folks. We're going to need your call this hour. We're going to have a lot of fun this hour. Uh, We got a lot of guests in the studio, and uh, so we're going to need your calls right away to get things rolling. Uh, so we can have uh, some great conversations. That phone number, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. You can also give online at thequestatlanta.com. Steve Smolenskowski here again in studio along with Maria Forbes. Maria, how's it going?
1: Going well, thanks. Good to be back.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to have an excellent hour this, this hour, Maria. We have uh, three guests in the studio. Maria, you want to go ahead and introduce our guests?
1: I would love to. We are here with Father Tim Naldalski and his parents, Nancy and Bob Naldalski. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, talking about Father Tim's journey to the priesthood, some fun things about Father Tim, and some great insight for mom and dad.
0: So first, let's start with mom and dad, because that's where it all began, right? Uh, dad, uh, tell us, or sorry, I, I, it's uh, Bob. Yes. Bob is yes. dad, Nancy is mom, but I like okay, mom and dad. Uh, Let's, we're going to start with your story, Bob. Uh, Where did you and Nancy meet?
2: We met in uh, school at the University of Florida. Okay. Uh, Back in, Nancy was going to Florida State at the time, and I was in Florida, and uh, mutual friends got us together. Blind date.
0: Blind date. Tell us about that, Nancy.
3: (laughs) Uh, Blind date for homecoming weekend at University of Florida. So, I went down on the bus, and he met me, and... I guess it all started there, so um good things.
0: What did you think of Bob Nancy when you saw
2: him? Uh,
4: first she, was, Im-
3: she was
2: impressed <laughs>
3: <laughs> first impression was a little you know funny, but um, he grew on me, so yeah, what was he wearing? uh cut off jean shorts. <laughs>
2: It was the 70s. <laughs> kind of off the stars and stripes and jean shorts,
3: right?
0: <laughs> wow. So so Father, that was Father Tim that asked that question. There's a, is there a, a significance to that, Father?
5: No, I just remembered hearing the the red, white and blue jean shorts that <laughs> were quite unique. All right. And
0: you and where where did you get married?
3: Uh we got married um in well, I was not Catholic at the time, I was Methodist, so we got married in the Methodist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. where I had grown up, and we had uh, three officiants. So we had my uncle, who was a Methodist minister, and then we had the minister of the church, and then we had the Catholic priest that came also to bless the, the marriage. So it was, it was unique in that, in that regard.
0: Yeah, and so that was how many years ago, Bob? Oh, this is a test.
2: That was in 1976, so that was, what, uh, 40, 45 years ago.
0: 45. It actually says 43 on my notes, so the notes are wrong and you're right. So 45 years yeah. ago in 1976, wonderful. Um, and uh, so 45 years ago, and uh, and you said, Nancy, that you weren't Catholic, but are, are, have you since joined the church?
3: Yes, yeah, so... Um I had always said I would never be Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, I had grown up in a Catholic neighborhood. We were right next door to the Catholic Church and the Catholic elementary school and high school. And so I had a lot of, you know, friends who were Catholic. And I had different experiences over the years going to the Catholic Church, like CYO dances and things like that. They don't call it CYO anymore, but that's what it was then. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, But we got married, and I said, okay, well... Don't expect me to become Catholic, but I will raise our children Catholic if that's what you want. So um, when I was pregnant with our second child, I decided that um, I would go to the the classes that they were offering to just sort of learn more about the Catholic Church. I wanted to be able to explain things better to my children and not you know, give misinformation. And um, I guess the Holy Spirit, while I was there, just led me. And I guess what I found... When I found out about the Eucharist, that's what attracted me because I felt like that's what was missing from my Methodist faith was um, the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So that's what really attracted me. And I I decided I'll I'll figure all the other stuff out as we go along. So it's just been a journey and my faith has deepened and deepened more over the years.
0: We're going to circle back to that. What a beautiful thing that drew you to the church, the Eucharist um and you have a priest a a priest who brings for us confects for us the eucharist at mass so we're we're gonna come there a little bit so but uh so you uh have how many children do you have four children four children and uh father tim is what number in the lineup
2: he's the youngest
0: the youngest okay the youngest child and father you're in the studio here tell us a little bit about your about your parents what what uh, what do our listeners need to know about your parents? Everything you've ever wanted to say on live radio about, about your mom and dad.
5: Well, since I'm the youngest, they were they were always the older parents among my my friends. Um, but uh, they they were very good uh, in setting in examples of living the faith growing up. Um, mass was always a priority uh, on Sunday, even if we didn't go together. We everybody got to mass, um, and we uh, always ate dinner together. Uh, said the blessing before we ate, sometimes a few bites in we would remember and say the blessing but uh, <laughs> i always I always held on to those two things kind of as uh, i I thought that those were just sort of average what average Catholic families do, but then I learned over the years that maybe not so much um, that families don't prioritize going to mass, especially on vacation we even went to mass on vacation um, or you know eating together and praying together so uh, that that was pretty formative to me growing up.
0: And so Mom and Dad uh, Bob and nancy uh tell us a little bit about uh Father Tim when he was no- before he was father uh growing up. Some fun stories they don't have to be embarrassing just fun. Tell us a little bit about father Tim
3: he was our uh kind of our the class clown of our children you know okay. cutting up and uh a lot of fun he was you know he was the baby so
0: so all the older kids said you attention. got spoiled, right? My
5: older siblings yeah. said I was spoiled.
0: Yeah, I'm like an oldest son, and all my younger siblings are spoiled. That's all. I
5: yeah. argue that my oldest brother was the spoiled one though, because he was kind of the test son. <laughs> he got all the cool stuff. <laughs> he, he had uh, an aquarium that he would constantly redo. He had uh, a Camaro that he got to put a new engine in, a new transmission, and then he had uh, a, a sound sound system, I guess, uh, a hi fi setup that he would constantly return the speakers to hi-fi buys and get better ones and better ones. And so by the time my old, my middle brother and I, uh, you know, got to wanting all those things, they'd learned, don't, don't give them everything like they did with the oldest. <laughs>
1: you got his leftovers, right? Yeah. Got-
5: <laughs> I, I, I got to play with his old, uh, RC car. Um, <laughs> and you know, one of the wheels was broken, but it was kind of taped back together. So uh, all the hand-me-down toys and clothing and all of that fun stuff.
2: <laughs> but that didn't necessarily stop you from getting things that you desired.
0: No. <laughs> so. Tell us a little bit about that. The w- what's, uh... <laughs> uh,
3: well, he was kind of like his older brother yeah, in that he regard. Like, he, he, wanted, he wanted some of those, you know, okay. a lot of those things. So, um, you know.
0: so tell us a little bit about your hobbies, Father. What, what are some of the things you enjoyed doing as you were growing up?
5: Uh, when I was growing up, um, I played sports just to fit in in elementary school and middle school basketball, soccer, baseball. Um, although I don't know that playing them was really the best word to use. I was there, I was on the field. Um, and uh, every once in a while, they would put me up to bat and I would hope for uh, hope to get walked or, or <laughs> stick my leg out and get hit by the ball. Uh, that was generally how I would get on base. Um, and then in middle school, I started um, in the uh, drama program, uh, I was at St. Jude so I uh, started doing theater and then continued doing that in high school. Um, so that was kind of my my hobby uh, growing up. And uh, I think it's something that really helped me to be able to get up and speak in front of people and to look out and see strangers' faces and be able to be comfortable talking to them. So that, that was uh, one of those things that I guess God set in motion uh, for a reason that I didn't understand at the time.
0: Folks, if you're just joining us, you're hearing the voice of Father Tim Nodolski. We're in studio with Bob and Nancy, his parents. My name is Steve Sponskowski, in studio here again with Maria Forbes. And this is our pledge drive. We're going to need your help this hour. We're going to have some fun. As you can hear, we're going to go back and hear some stories about Father's vocation and his walk. Um, and I'd like to invite you to call in 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. Or you can give online at thequestatlanta.com. You can give in honor of the Nodolskis, like Kathy just called in and said, I want to give a monthly gift, and this is a leadership gift. So thank yeah. you, Kathy, for that leadership gift in honor of the Nodalskis. Uh This hour, you can call in in honor of the Nodolskis or in honor of your priest. If you have a son who's a priest, uh, a, a daughter who's a religious, anything Um, you know we want to celebrate our catholicism especially celebrate the sacrifices that uh, i am just blown away by the the young um the young men and women in our church who step up and give up so give so generously of their lives i I just i just stand in awe of of the faith that is that is uh, that they're responding to that the the way they're responding in faith so let's 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 shower them with accolades. Uh, and one way you can do that is by calling in and giving a pledge in their honor 470-508-1160 or online thequestatlanta.com.
1: Yeah, speaking of that, we it's so funny. Um, you know, we signs are are an interesting thing and you were talking father Tim about being in the, um, you know, in front of people in the, you know, in the way of, I guess I'm thinking plays, school plays. Um, you maybe did you aspire to be an actor at that time or a singer? Or at one was- point,
5: yeah, I kind of I I liked doing comedy. Uh, I wanted to be on uh, Saturday Night Live, and then I wanted to take over for Conan O'Brien.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh wow! You know, oh, that's interesting. That, yeah.
5: that kind of waned uh, pretty early on in high school. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. And, um, so it was interesting because I have a, uh, I was telling, um, your parents that well, I have a f- good friend and we, her oldest son, we were just sure he wanted to be a priest. And well, nothing's happened yet, but you know, we're, we're still hopeful. And it's interesting when we think about signs, you know, what was there when you were growing up? Um, the, you know, being around the, uh, in the drama, um, uh, sort of area of high school and, um, learning to be in front of people, what else happened to you that that you feel was profound in some way or significant in some way?
5: well, looking back i you know I never really considered the idea of being a priest growing up. I thought that to be a priest you had to be a hundred years old and from Ireland um, <laughs> and uh, just never really crossed my mind um, and uh when I was in senior my senior year at St Pius, um, I had both Monsignor Lopez teach and Father Dan. Rogachevsky, he taught us as well. And um, Father Dan's class had a section on vocations, and we spent most of the time on marriage, um, and then briefly talked about priesthood, and he said, um, one of you will be a priest uh, in this class. One of you will be a priest. So I thought, not me. Um, And uh, then I remember about a year later, uh, I called him uh, from college. I was at Barry College, and I called him and I said, hey, remember when you said one of us is going to be a priest? I said, I think I'm going to go to the seminary. And it was funny because he said, "Oh, well, I already knew that. That's that's why I that's why I said that." Wow. Um, so he was, and I asked him. I said, "Why didn't you, why didn't you point that out to me, or maybe ask that I considered being a priest?" He said, "I didn't want to push, and I didn't want to uh, make you uncomfortable, but also I thought it'd be fun to watch you figure it out on your own."
1: Wow, that's great. What happened at school? You know, you were at college. What were you thinking? What was going on? Well, at-
5: so I went to Barry College, um, and I I worked at Chick Fil A all through high school and uh, was at Berry College on a scholarship through the Windshape program, um, which is kind of a Christian leadership sc- uh, scholarship. But uh, it was mostly fundamentalists um, and a few, but our program director is a Calvinist. Um, and uh, he was upset when I told him that I was leaving at the end of the first year because he was a Calvinist. I said, well, didn't you already know that? Um, but he didn't appreciate that humor. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a unique experience for me there because I had to, um, really learn to defend my faith. Um, and I'm stubborn. So people would ask me questions and I could answer the basic ones. Like we don't worship statues and things like that. Um, but then as we, as more and more questions came along, I would say, I know that I'm right and that you're wrong. I just don't have the answer yet. So I'm going to get back to you. So I spent a lot of uh, nights at college uh, on Catholic Answers or uh, Fish Eaters or different different websites that uh, had all that information, and that really just kind of made me delve deeper and deeper uh, into my faith.
1: So you were you considered yourself a Catholic as a child, mm-hmm. as a you know teenager? You... Yeah,
5: I never had a period where I was away from the church.
1: Yeah, interesting. And friends. Were there friends that were the same?
5: Um, yeah, I, I was really close with a group of friends in our youth group. Um, and then even my my Boy Scout troop uh, was through the church. So yeah. everything kind of focused around the church growing up.
1: I have so many burning questions for you. But one is that do you think that exposure to other priests was formative in some way?
5: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, seeing... Uh, like I said, you know the priests at, at high school, um, even just the priests uh, growing up. When I was at St. Jude in elementary school, they would come into the room and visit, um, and I remember it was always a very formal thing. Uh, Monsignor O'Connor would come in, and everybody would stand up in unison and say "Good morning, Monsignor," and then he would tell us to be seated. Um, and uh, the, I've, my previous assignment was in Athens, and we had a school there, uh, and I really enjoyed that, like getting to go into the classrooms and whatnot. Uh, the, the children didn't stand up and say good morning father Nadolski. um but uh it, it was always fun to just go in there and usually kind of stir stir the pot uh with the students and kind of you know get them get them all riled up and then leave them for their teacher to deal with
1: yeah so did your um kind of comedic approach to uh life and fun did was that did that uh help you relate to the kids i
5: think so yeah um i i've uh since before becoming a priest i really wanted to focus on the idea that uh, priests are normal people uh, that, again, you don't have to be 100 years old and from Ireland to be a priest. You can you can be just a, a young person. And th- they were young people at one point, too. Most of them were when they were ordained. Um, but that you can just be fun and relate to people uh, with things uh, in their lives. So, you know, I'd walk into the seventh or eighth grade classroom and uh, Start talking to them about video games, and the teachers would kind of scratch their heads, and then realize, "Wait a minute, these kids are actually talking to the priest." So, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, try try to relate to them uh, with with things that still are common for them and me.
1: Yeah, do you ever get? What well, remember any funny questions kids would ask you?
5: Um, let's see. Uh, well, they always ask, you know, where do you live? Um, and you know, they they think that you live at the church, which saying. you do, kind of. <laughs> Um, but they think like actually inside the church probably like how they think teachers live live in the classroom mm-hmm. um and they're they're surprised you know to know that you know you go on vacation or um you know that you that you do have fun that you can play video games or watch movies or um whatever sort of things that people do um and and they always just think that we have to be like quiet and boring and just do our own thing and mm-hmm. uh, but
1: I think it's great. Yeah, go ahead, Steve.
5: Well, I, I, you
0: know, I, I'd like to back up just a little bit into the story where you, you kind of discerned the priest who you're coming in the seminary. And mom and dad, I want to go back to the you know when when Father Tim came home and said, "Hey, I'm going to enter the seminary." What what went through your minds?
2: We didn't expect it, but we accepted it. Mm-hmm. it was, you know, we were behind you then, so go ahead, do
0: it. Yeah, mom, your thoughts. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a little surprising, you know, because he he had gone off to Barry College with this, you know, idea to get a business degree and become a Chick-fil-A operator, you know, and Mm -hmm. own own a Chick-fil-A franchise. And so um, he came home and told us, I think, at Thanksgiving time.
5: Yeah, uh, it was Thanksgiving. um, And I'd already told my sister, because she lived up there in Rome, uh, where Barry is. And so I'd already told her um, and kind of asked her and her husband for help on how to tell everybody else. So we were home at Thanksgiving and I called everybody into the, into the room and it wasn't something that we normally did. And I said, I got, I got something to say. And who knows what was going through their minds, you know, coming back from college after my first semester and, you know, what, what sort of trouble I could have gotten myself into. Um, and I sat him down. I said, turn the TV off. Uh, Wheel of Fortune can wait. Um, <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm thinking about being a priest. I think I'm going to go to the seminary Uh, And they all just kind of looked at me like that was not what they expected me to say. Um, But, yeah, as as it went on, um, I remember them telling me that, you know, they were supportive of me when I wanted to be an actor. They were supportive of me when I wanted to uh, be a pilot. That was the other one. uh, (laughs) I still want to be a pilot. um, And uh, actually, I've got a parishioner who has a plane, and he's taken me up flying a couple times, and he says he's going to help me get my license. So, um,
0: So priests can have fun?
5: Chris can have fun. Oh, what the
0: yeah. heck? I didn't know that. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Folks, uh, if you're just tuning in right now, we are visiting with the Nodolskis, Bob, Nancy, and Father Tim, sharing his vocation story, their life story. Folks, uh, we're going to step away in a couple minutes for a break, but we do need your help. We're having a, a great time this hour. Hey, folks, this hour, if you call in, we are going to match your dollars. Match. There's a match available this hour, so if you call in, dollar-for-dollar dollar match in honor of our priests and of their sacrifice for the church. So give us a shout, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. You can also give online at thequestatlanta.com. That's thequestatlanta.com. And again, remember to download that mobile app we are visiting this hour about vocations. You could call in and give in honor of uh, Father Tim Nodolski's Am I saying that right, mm-hmm. yes. uh, vocation, or in honor of your priest, if you've got a daughter, sorry, a son who's a priest or a daughter who is is religious, um, call in in honor of the sacrifice that they are making for our beautiful, beautiful church um, and how they're leading with their, you know, their life is an example to us. 470-508-1160, or thequestatlanta.com. My name is Steve Sponskowski, and I'm here with Maria Forbes. And uh, this is The Quest. This is your radio station, um, and it is supported by you. It is listener-supported. We get no money from the government, no money from the church. It's all listener-supported. Programming is provided by EWTN, Catholic Answers, Ave Maria, and some local shows, as you just previous hour. Uh, was is a local show guest or host from your local show. We are here to support you, you support your faith, and to honor the good work that the Lord is doing in this community. 470 508 1160 or online, thequestatlanta.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes, so don't go anywhere.
4: We need Catholic radio because we really need an influence that's countercultural. We need an influence that's gonna remind us of what's really important in our lives. Remind us about our faith as our top priority. Remind us of why we're here on this earth to make a decision to become more and more like Christ. And that's the job of Catholic Radio.
2: To donate, go to thequestatlanta.com.
4: Everyone feels lonely at times, from college freshmen to the homebound, to people married with kids. But the reality is, alone is a lie. It never existed. Even in the abyss before space and time, there was the Trinity, one God who was a communion of persons. And not only is he with you, he surrounded you with angels and saints. When Elisha the prophet was surrounded by an army that wanted to kill him, his servant was terrified until he had a vision. He saw horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You might be in a hospital, experiencing a broken relationship, or feeling rejected because of your faith, but you're surrounded by an unseen army. You're part of the body of Christ, connected with people all over the world struggling just as you are, and you have Jesus at your side who experienced the pain of isolation so that when you feel really lonely, you'd have someone to feel really lonely with. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes.
6: Over 32,000 pregnancies from rape occur in the U.S. each year and most of the affected women not only choose to have their baby, but also choose to raise the child themselves. They don't consider the child to be the baby of a rapist, but rather their precious child. After everything the rape victim has endured, it's an insult to the mom to label her child the baby of a rapist. Rebecca Berg, who had a child conceived in rape, had this to say. I'm tired of these children being demonized like this. Women are capable of great love for their children and must be given more credit for this. My son's gentle spirit and thoughtfulness of others confirm there is not a rapist gene. When I look in my son's eyes, I only have love. These babies' lives matter. Fight for the lives of babies conceived in rape. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity.
0: For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. folks this is the quest Atlanta check us out the you're saying where's my local programming well actually this is local programming where is my regular programming well we're uh, covering it up right now so we can come to you live from the studio right here in Atlanta sharing stories and in giving you the opportunity To help us continue this work, 470 508 1160 or 470 508 1160 is our phone number or thequestatlanta.com. Help us continue this work. My name is Steve Splonskowski in studio with Maria Forbes. We are visiting with Bob and Nancy Nadalski and Father Tim Nadalski. And in the first half hour, we really just talked about uh, the journey. Uh, We talked about Bob and Nancy uh, when they got married uh, 45 years ago. And Nancy came into the church, and one of the things that she was drawn to the church for is the Eucharist, of course and then uh now Father Tim Nadolsky is a priest who is bringing to us the Eucharist we've uh journeyed a little bit through his discernment into the seminary, um and as you had mentioned before, he uh had to go home and say, "You know, after one year of college, okay folks, turn off wheel of fortune. I got something to tell you and uh and we were just talking a little bit over the break, kind of the response of your of your family members. I was just saying, okay, well." Okay, we'll see, right? Well, what's what's the next step? So after you told your family that you were gonna you were heading to the seminary, uh, Father Tim, what was the what were the next steps?
5: Well, I, I wasn't sure uh, when that was going to be because this was just November of my freshman year at college, um, and I was under the expectation that I would have to finish college um, and then go. And so the you know question was, well, should I study philosophy in college instead of business? And then um, between Christmas and New Year's, I went on the um, discernment retreat that the archdiocese puts on, and uh, one of my uh, classmates that I was ordained with, Father Branson Hip, um, he's the chaplain at Georgia Tech right now. But he was a freshman in college seminary, um, and he got up and gave a talk. And after I heard uh, his talk, and I thought, "Oh wow, I can do this now. I don't have to wait." Um, and something that weekend, the Holy Spirit just kind of touched me uh, and said, "This is this is the time." So I went ahead and applied. Uh, To the seminary, and then um, that following school year, I uh, well I was accepted to the formation program, and then I applied to the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, went there, uh, finished my uh, three more years of college there, got a degree in Spanish, and then ended up staying there for four more years um, for my theology. So I was there for seven total years, which was kind of a long time to be in one place, especially gray and gloomy columbus ohio um <laughs> and when you're in a school that only has uh, really the college was 100 men and then the theologate was 100 men so 200 total but in the separate schools just 100 um, when you're in a school that small for that long uh, everybody knows everything so it was a, a a unique experience to say the least
0: and uh you were ordained in 2015
5: 2015 2015 mom and
0: dad. uh, uh Bob and Nancy, talk to us a little bit about uh, that, that journey through the uh, major seminary years. Of course, the, there's the diaconate, is a step in there. Um, and actually, maybe back up to that a little bit. Uh, the step into the diaconate is where basically, you're, if you become ordained a deacon, it's, that's kind of the point of a commitment, right, to the priesthood? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much.
5: Um, that's when we make our promises of celibacy and prayer. Right. Absolutely. And obedience.
0: Yeah. So, so how was that journey for you, Mom and Dad? How was that uh, that journey through the seminary up to the diaconate or even into the diaconate? Um,
3: I mean, we just kind of journeyed along with him. And, mm-hmm. You know, uh, he would share things with us, so we learn. You know, I think it increased my faith. I think I learned some more things about the church as he was learning more and more about about things. And then, um, of course, just going—I'd never been to an ordination before, so you know, that was our first experience. I think with an ordination, right. was his diaconate
2: ordination. Mm-hmm. It's just a kind of surreal moment. He was our fourth student to go away to college of the first year in Barrie, we were familiar with, with our daughter, Erin, had been there before. And, but then to go to Columbus, Ohio, far away. That was the furthest any and, of them had gone, so. And we went and visited a few times for that. And I uh, you know, got to see you host the mud ball, things like that.
0: <laughs> had some fun. Yeah, he had a flyover for that, too.
5: That's right. Yeah, we had an annual football game between the th- uh, college and the Oligate. And um, you would think that the collegians would usually win because the Oligate was a bunch of old men. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't always the case because they were older and smarter. Um, and, uh, yeah, that one, one year they came up um, – and happened to be there for the weekend when we had the football game, and we were directly north of Ohio State. And so the F-15s flew over to head to Ohio State, but they flew over us first. So we joked and said that we arranged that.
0: Nancy, when you mentioned the uh, the diaconate, uh, when he was ordained to the diaconate, you said it was surreal. Can you uh, can you give us a little more uh, detail on that, a little more uh, of your experience there?
3: Um, I guess just the idea that it was actually going to happen you know and um, just being there and, and seeing him you know like I mean they lie down prostrate and you know they make their commitments and just you know I guess it just started to register then you know what it was really all about
0: and and father how was that for you the diaconate ordination
5: it was terrifying uh, <laughs> I was shaking and sweaty and then the next morning, uh, I served my first mass as a deacon and preached, and I was incredibly nervous. Um, and then I remember the following year when I was ordained a priest, I was expecting it to be the same, but all of the nervousness went away. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, um, you know, recognizing that you're promising obedience to somebody for the rest of your life. Um, you're promising to pray the liturgy of the hours for and with the people for the rest of your life. Um, you're promising celibacy. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was, a obviously a once in a lifetime experience. Um, and I remember kneeling there, um, in the cathedral as Archbishop Gregory prayed the prayer of consecration over us. And people always ask this, well, did you feel it when, you know, when you were ordained, like did something, ha-? and you don't really feel, I mean, did you feel something when you were baptized or did you feel something when you were confirmed? Um, you know, other than just kind of the tingly sensation of I know I know what's happening right now, um, and I, I remember that was a very um, a very real moment for me.
0: Folks, if you're just joining us, you're hearing the voice of Father Tim Nadolsky. Also, Bob and Nancy in studio are talking about his journey to the priesthood. Uh, we're just getting up to his diaconate and then talking about his ordination to the priesthood. Folks, give us a shout this hour in honor of all the sacrifices that our priests make, our young folks make um, in serving the church. Give us a call, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160. Just remember that this hour, every dollar you give is doubled. Doubled, so one dollar you give to us is two. You give us two, it's four. I'll let you do the rest of the math on that. You can also give online, thequestatlanta.com. TheQuestAtlanta.com. We just had Lynn checking in and she says, Father Tim, we miss you at St. Joe's in Athens. So, Lynn, thank you so much for that. Do you know who Lynn is, Father?
5: There were a few Lynn's in St. Joseph.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm not supposed to say last names okay. on the air, okay, so, okay. so so I won't. I'll I'll show you. I'll show you the name, but she can't say it out loud. Oh yeah, yeah, I know her. All right, Lynn, thanks for calling in. Uh, appreciate your your donation. And folks, you can join Lynn and Kathy who have called in this hour at four seven zero five zero eight one one six zero, or you can give online thequestatlanta dot com. And Father, you wanted to share something. You said, "Oh, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm saying the sacrifices that you make." Uh, the, as a priest, but also you say the parents make a sacrifice, too you want to talk a little bit to that?
5: Yeah, because I think uh, like my mom was saying, you know, she learned more about the process as I was going through it, and um you know sometimes the hardships that uh we had in the seminary that we didn't really expect. A, a lot of guys go to uh seminary and they think it's gonna be like this six or seven year long retreat, um, and it's not um so some of the disappointments and some of the the hardships there, you know, and sharing those with my parents yeah I think uh kind of bringing them into that uh, I remember one story though that my mom told me um it's the uh the ultra Christus society does the uh did an annual um parent appreciation mass and dinner um for the parents of seminarians and I think I remember my mom telling me that um it, there at the at the dinner she was in the bathroom and noticed another mom in there that was kind of Upset, and I can't remember if you said she was crying or not. But for for the sake of uh, of of the story, we'll say she was crying, um, and just didn't quite know what to expect. Her son had just entered the seminary, and I remember my mom telling me that she hugged her and consoled her and said, "You know, it's going to be okay." Um, you know, we, she we, had
3: kind of a deer in headlights look, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just overwhelming to her.
0: So you were able you were able to support her because you were going through that
5: same.
3: I mean I just gave her a hug, you know, and said it's you know it, it gets better. I, it's going to be okay.
5: <laughs> yeah, and um, for whatever reason people think that um the priest's parents are all, you know, saints and they think, you know, that they must the mother must be just like the blessed mother and have had prayed for uh one of her three sons to be a priest and um my mom said that, you know, she didn't really Do that. Pray for one of us to be a priest. A lot of your friends did. I think that.
3: Well, I had two close friends, and I know they probably prayed for their sons to be priests, and they didn't become priests. So it must have rubbed off on. I wasn't the quintessential Catholic mother that constantly prayed for her sons to be priests. uh, But the Holy Spirit has works in this, and God has a plan. But
5: what's what's interesting, and even you know today, we uh, my parents are actually just with me on a pilgrimage with some of my parishioners. and it's interesting because people will meet them and you know look at them and think that you know they must have done something uh, great they must have done something so holy to had inspired a, a priestly vocation um, and I think that they would both say we didn't we didn't do anything like on purpose to try to inspire a priestly vocation they gave the best example they could like I said earlier the example of going to Mass every every Sunday and uh, and prayer um, but so I I think sometimes the sacrifices that they have to make are you know having people come to them and look at them and you know say how you know you you must have done something great uh, to produce this this son and this priestly vocation and they're remembering all the trouble that I got into uh, and and when I was younger the trouble that I still get into uh, you know that uh, they they just kind of I guess you have to nod your head and just say okay. But, <laughs>
0: Folks, uh, you're listening to the voice of Father Tim Dodolsky and his parents, Bob and Nancy. Uh, this is our pledge drive. Give us a give us a shout, 1160 or give online at quest the Atlant- or the quest atlanta. This hour, uh, folks, we have a $3,000 goal. Actually, we have a $3,300 goal in honor of the priesthood, $3,300 goal this hour, and $3,300 $3, will be matched so far. We're at $1,215, so we're going to need your call. Get us to that $333 mark, the 33 number, in honor of our priest in studio, Father Tim Nadolski, and the sacrifices that his parents make uh, for for the priesthood Uh, Here, So give us a call, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160, or online, thequestatlanta.com. I'm in studio with Maria Forbes, and uh, we're continuing this conversation.
1: Yes, great. And I'm thinking, Father Tim, about young men um, listening to this conversation or families of young men who may have... um, expressed an interest in, you know, a, not necessarily priestly vocation, but some vocation. And just thinking about other priests who have said what you said, that it wasn't a sudden life event necessarily. It's it's how God's calling you. And it happens at different times for different people. Um, but what would you say, what kind of advice would you give somebody, another young guy who's out there thinking, I think there may be something different for me out there. Maybe God's calling me to something other than that business degree or, you know, a career, secular career?
5: Well, I I advise all young men to first discern a vocation to the priesthood before anything else. Um, There's really nothing to lose in doing that. Um, It might be a little scary at first uh, to think that, well, no, God couldn't be calling me to be a priest, but he called, uh, you know, St. Peter and a bunch of other kind of ragtag people uh, that were not the ones that you would expect so he does. He calls anybody, um, and so be open to that, uh, and and explore that. Is God asking me to be a priest? Is God asking me to do something more? Um, and just start there.
1: Yeah, we're we're such a culture of signs, you know. The show me, show me. What do I need to know? Yeah. What 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 should I be seeing? Right. Um, and is is that sometimes just an internal nudge of. You know, how do you describe to other other guys out there that might be saying, "I'm I'm feeling you know some discontent, maybe?" Or,
5: yeah, again, I think for me it was just everything that was sort of going on around me uh, in my life was pointing to it. And I mentioned that I spent a lot of time, um, you know, researching Catholic teachings and whatnot to better answer questions. And in doing that, I, I literally stumbled upon the vocations office webpage for Atlanta and started looking through that. Um, and that, that really got me thinking. So um, just, yeah, be open.
1: Yeah, be open, absolutely. You know, um, Bob and Nancy, I've heard so many times, converts make the best Catholics. <laughs> and so, and I have a lot of oh, convert friends who are fabulous, wonderful, faith-filled Catholics. But I, I wonder with the two of you, you know, with your active faith life, um, active in your parish and and being at St. Jude's for a number of years, Do you you think that had any kind of influence on your family, even, you know, beyond Father Tim, the other children, just their their faith life?
3: I mean, we hope it did. (laughs) Um, We always tried to give them the example that you need to serve your parish. So, you know, we always volunteered. Um, I like to joke that Tim, he was a baby and I took him to, uh, I was like the head of the women's guild. and. I would take him in the little carrier to the meetings and uh, the women would pass him around while i led the meeting and so who knows how many of those sweet ladies would maybe gave a prayer at that time right. you know for him Secretly for the future yeah, right so, yeah um,
1: yeah, yeah. we often talk about, you know, influences of, you know, what what can parents do out there who have, you know, y- young men, adult ch- young adult children or teenage children, and, you know, what are some of those things that, you know, you look back in hindsight and say, mm-hmm. it's probably good my kids were there, or my kids served in this way, or they met the priests at, at you know, at our parish or um, other, other influences mm-hmm. that may have stuck with them and, and influenced their faith.
3: Right. I mean, I think I think you always look back and say, well, "I wish I'd done more of this or more of that, or you know, things like that." But hindsight is, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm and, not sure what my influence on it all was, you know, by example. But uh, you know, when I first got here, I would go to mass on Sundays, essentially <coughs> by myself. And you know, first we lived near St. Jude, we'd go there. Then I was out in uh, Lawrenceville area. Go to mass there, and and then we moved it to the house. And, you know, so we're in the Saint Jude area again, and I go to mass. And you know, I started going started along. Going along. Mm-hmm. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, uh,
3: there was a funny story where um, I was pre- very pregnant with our first child, and I had started going to mass with him more. Um, I guess children make you think you've got to go. You know, make sure you go back to church and things mm-hmm. like that. But um, a lady came up to me, and she said is that your husband? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, well, I've had my eye on him for my daughter because he always looks so devout when he's kneeling and praying. And I thought, well, I'm sorry, he's taken. He's He's very taken. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, that was just, you know, so Bob's faith has always just been more of just a quiet, steady faith throughout our family. Um, So that's
0: and I want to return Nancy to your. What drew you to the church was the Eucharist, and so then your your son became a priest. One uh, was the, you you received Eucharist from your son at his first Mass.
3: Or? Yes, I mean we did. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was there? I mean, have you ever kind of gone back and and reflected on that connection uh, of uh, your son bringing the Eucharist and how that would drew you to the church?
3: I, I really hadn't put mm-hmm. it together, but you know. I think that's very, very interesting perspective, and I think that's that's beautiful the well, way that, you know that you put it. And uh, just to we were on the Italy pilgrimage, as he said, just recently returned from that, and just to see him celebrate mass at the Vatican and then in so many other beautiful churches, you know, throughout Italy, because we had daily mass. It was just, it's just not. It's just hard to describe, but it just does fill you up with such
5: joy.
0: And how is it, Father, for you to be able to provide Eucharist for your parents? I, I assume you don't go to confession to your son. That would just be kinda awkward. But you <laughs> could technically no, but
5: uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow it. Wouldn't
0: allow it. <laughs> well and actually you may ask ask this question as uh, as parents of a priest, do they receive uh, it would, traditionally there w- there have been in the past that they receive something yeah, um, that, from you?
5: my dad received the first, the stole that I heard my first confession with and our fathers teach us um, justice and we use justice um, tempered with mercy in the confessional and so that gift is presented to him and then uh, the mother of the priest is presented with the maniturgium which is the cloth used to wipe the uh, oil from our hands at the ordination mass and then um, when they're uh, called home, uh, they're buried with those uh, those items, and then as they approach the gates of heaven, uh, Jesus will look at them and say, "I gave you a son. What did you do for me?" And they hold it up and they say, "I gave you a priest," uh, and it's like a get in, get into heaven free card. I don't know. I don't
0: know about that. But uh, I don't, about a, think that. So. don't quote me, yeah, don't quote <laughs> me on that. Yeah,
5: but it's a, it's a beautiful tradition. Depending
0: upon your yeah. life.
5: Uh. No, it's a beautiful
0: thing. It was a, no, it
3: that was
5: very touching. And it to makes everybody this. cry. Um, and, yeah, so it's just a nice.
0: A good reminder. A good reminder, folks. If you're just joining us, we are visiting with the Nodolsky family. Uh, Father Tim Nodolski and Bob and Nancy. I'd like to thank Deacon Jim and Steph for calling in in honor of Father Tim. That uh, they gave a nice gift. Also, uh, checking in online is Aaron uh, giving a gift in uh, honor of Father Tim, folks. Every dollar that's being given is doubled this hour. So, Deacon Jim and Steph, your dollars are doubled. Aaron. Your dollars are doubled. Also, Cheryl, Cheryl checking in online in, father of, in honor of Father Tim. Thank you for that gift. Your dollars are doubled this hour. Give us a call, 470-508-1160, or give online, thequestatlanta.com, 470-508-1160, or thequestatlanta.com. I'll give you an update here, folks, this hour. Where are we at? Uh, raised just under $1,500 this hour, and again, that is doubled up to $3,300 we could have a great hour if you just give us a call. 470-508-1160. I am hearing some phone lines out there ringing, so keep them ringing and keep uh, giving in honor of uh, of our priests and of the parents who make these sacrifices. Father, I want to come back to you. Question. Um, so after you're ordained, coming into the priesthood, what are what are the, some of the, the uh, most amazing graces you have received as a, as a priest? Um,
5: I mean, obviously, the just saying mass, um, a lot of priests will say that the first mass uh, kind of makes up for all of the difficulty and trouble of going through seminary uh, just the the effect of of doing that um, and then hearing confessions too um, being called father by people that are old enough to be my grandparents um, you know it's odd sometimes, um, but to be able to to offer the sacraments to offer. God's mercy to bring people back. Um, I wanted to mention uh, that uh, when I was in Athens, we had a radio station there. Um, and it was supported pretty much just uh, by by the parish. And uh, we would do a second collection for it every uh, every quarter. And at first, I remember thinking, what a waste of time. Who listens to the radio? Um, and I thought, and Catholic radio, is anybody going to listen to that? Um, but then the number of times that I would have somebody in the confessional that had been 15, 20, 30 years since they'd been to confession, and I would ask them, I said, just for my own knowledge, what what was it that brought you back to confession after so long? And they'd say, oh, I was listening to that radio station, and I heard something, and it just really you know struck me, and I knew that I had to come back. And that was not a single event. That happened several times. Um, and so from that point forward, I recognized. Okay, there is importance here to, to Catholic Radio. I thought it was. I, I didn't quite understand why we were putting all this uh, uh, energy and effort and resources into it. But um, that being said, I, I, I recognize the uh, the great value of it, and if it brings one person back, wonderful. So, uh, to those listening, do indeed uh, support this radio station um, with your uh, with your contributions. Recognizing that uh, it may it may be. The thing that brings somebody back to the faith—it may be the thing that gets that uh, that prodigal son to recognize uh, that they need to return to the father's mercy—and um, so I, I just can't praise uh, the the role of Catholic Radio enough.
0: Wonderful, Father. Would you give the number for
5: us? It is four seven zero five zero eight one one six zero or thequestatlanta.com.
0: Folks, you heard it right here, and it 's such a uh, thank you for saying that it 's just we have heard that story across the nation um, from priests, bishops it 's like, hey, you know what it seems like radio 's dead, but then I hear people coming back to the church. Many priests tell me that uh, a quarter of the people who come through RCIA come back and say i 'm drawn to the church because of Catholic radio um, folks. this is what you get to be a part of when you support the quest, when you support local Catholic radio radio station. Give us a call four seven zero 508-1160, or as father said, com. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Elizabeth for checking in in honor of Christri- Christine uh, Faluco. I think that was, uh, she was on the first hour, right? So thank you for checking in, Elizabeth. You can also uh, give online at uh, com as Elizabeth did. You can continue to call in 470-508-1160. Just a few minutes here uh, left to the top of the hour. Um I going to Bob and Nancy uh any last uh, thoughts you'd like to share with us on Father when to come to you next so uh Bob and Nancy any any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners uh, what do you think of Catholic radio do you uh...
3: um I listen to it all the time so <laughs> he listens in and out when he's in my car but it's always on in my car and I'm just mm-hmm. um amazed at some of the shows that are on and I just think they're they're informative and um they it's just a to, to know that there's a faith community, you know, within the radio station that supports other Catholics and hopefully draws, as he said, a lot of people back to the to the church. But um so I, I, I enjoy listening to lots of different shows on on the quest.
0: Do you have a specific favorite one that comes to mind?
3: Well I mean I love listening to Father John Ricardo. Anything he has to say is top notch. And I liked um Dr. David Anders, I think is his mm-hmm. name with it. Yeah. Called to Communion. Called to Communion, even though that's for non-cap. Maybe I'm drawn to it because I'm a convert, but... Um, we all learn. Yeah. He, he's so informative and, and so... He's very intellectual, too, you know, and he's just very informative um, and great uh, responses that he has to people that help you, that sometimes when you get questions, that you can rely on on things he said to explain the faith. He just explains the faith so beautifully
0: absolutely bob you have any thoughts on uh, listening to catholic radio uh
2: no i just want to say thank you for having us on so that we can help uh in, in the endeavors of the quest yeah
0: uh, well thank you for being here father i'll give you the we've got about a minute left i'll give you the final thoughts
5: um yeah it's been good to be here um if i had to give advice to parents on uh, vocations for their sons don't pressure them um but be open to it uh also don't don't be selfish and you know saying i I want a grandchild or um, you know I, I don't want that life for my son. a lot of people say that and it, it it almost hurts my feelings when people say that I wouldn't want that life for my son and It's like, well, thanks a lot mm. um, but it's a beautiful life uh, it's a life that um you know we're called father for a reason because we we generate spiritual life. People often say, you know it's so sad that you don't have a wife, you don't have children, but indeed I've got a huge family I've got a lot of children i've got um almost fifteen hundred families in my parish and I consider all of them to be my children. So um, just be open uh, to, to your children. Uh, don't pressure them uh, and let the Holy Spirit guide them.
0: Thank you, Father. That's uh, Father Tim Nadolski and his parents, Bob and Nancy. Thank you for being here with us this hour. Folks, I'm going to give you a quick update. Uh, top of the hour, I do legal ID, but I've, we've raised $1,440 this hour. We do want to get to that $3,300 goal. So maybe a couple of people can call in at that $500 or $1,000 level It's 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Maria, thank you for being here with us this hour. My pleasure. Folks, 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Don't let this pass you by the opportunity to have your dollars matched in honor of our priests, in honor of the great work they do and bringing us the sacraments. You are listening to AM 1160 WCFO, East Point, Atlanta, The Quest.